0: banks or lenders are not a-holes. They want to lend to you. But the first thing is that they're looking for stability. That's what they're looking for. Which is fair. If you're going to lend your money to somebody you don't know, you want to make sure that they're going to be serious and make that repayment. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's the way that most lenders think. The other thing is they're looking for customer behavior. When I mean customer behavior, they're going to be looking for spending patterns. Some banks will go to the granular level like Oh my God, this guy is having three coffees a day. He eats out every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Does Uber Eats. And then the thought behind that is if we give him a loan, is that lifestyle going to continue? And if that lifestyle continues, how's he going to make the repayment? The information provided in this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered personal advice. Always consult with qualified professionals or experts in the relevant field for personalized advice tailored to your specific situation. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Catching Up With Property. I've got my friend here, Pauline.
1: Hey, everyone.
0: With Pixie. And in this episode, we're going to do something a little different.
1: So, we're going to start this podcast with frequently asked questions on TikTok and online. Are you ready?
0: I am. I'll be asking. You'll be asking, I'll be answering, okay? (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Okay, let's start off with a hard one. Let's get straight into it. First question, is the Australian economy going to crash, in your opinion?
0: That's a very hard question. Yeah. And my first answer to you is, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> but to be a little bit more serious is the Australian economy going to crash. So you got to think of a couple of things where we are in the cycle and think about where the interest rate cycle is. So we kind of kind of came up. We had 12 interest rate rises. It's kind of paused at the moment. We're kind of at that top part where people may not be able to borrow as much as they can and global forces Right, so yeah. you've got the U.S., you've got the war, uh, you've got oil prices going through at the moment. Typically, with that that top of the cycle for the interest rates, you're probably going to start looking at that going tinkering down at some point. A caveat there: if you asked me three weeks ago, I would have said, "Hey, yeah, it's going to down go down." Yeah. But over the last couple of weeks, there's been concerns around oil prices, mm-hmm. fuel prices heading to about $100 per a barrel. Yeah. And uh, that could potentially impact cost of living. So, because fuel, we need fuel for everything, for your produce, for everything. Yeah. And once that becomes you know permanent, then that will start coming into all our products mm-hmm. and that will... Increase inflation and the RBA will have no choice but to potentially maybe... Increase. Increase. Yeah. yeah. So, is the economy crashing? I don't think it is. Australia's economy is usually pretty resilient. Yeah. The other thing is um, we also have rapid migration coming to place. Property market, we still are not building enough for what we need. So, we're still under the threshold. That's why the government has this massive project of trying to build housing yep. to uh, cover that demand. My answer, no. I don't think the market is going to crash. Okay. Unless we have that's another good COVID. To know. <laughs> <laughs> but even then the property market didn't crash. So yeah. weird. you expected it to crash. Like that's right. All your, all your spidey senses would tell you the property market should crash, but yeah. it didn't. Because there still no stock.
1: Some people <laughs> predicting that it would, right? Yeah.
0: Instead it went double way.
1: Ta-da. That's good. I feel much better now. Do you? <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> so, another question. As a mortgage broker, what wouldn't you do? Like, if I came to you
0: okay. for mortgage
1: help, what wouldn't you do for my yeah.
0: mortgage? Okay. So, there's probably... I've Okay. So, the first thing is I definitely would not mix my owner-occupied debt with my investment debt. I would not mix my owner-occupied debt with my investment right. debt. Meaning, I wouldn't take one loan and have you know, one portion occupied, one portion investment. And specifically, you don't want to be doing that because you need to apportion that debt for the purpose when you're reporting at tax time. And if right. you can't and if you claim something that you shouldn't be, then mm-hmm. Mr. Taxman might come asking you some questions. Please explain.
1: So, it's better to have two. Well, you loans. want to
0: apportion them. So you want to have whatever's your own occupied, your own occupied. Whatever's your investment debt is your investment debt. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're actually building out your portfolio, if you have an own occupied, you probably want to take out a portion, a separate loan, like a split loan. Yeah. And use that as a deposit for your investment. But at least you've apportioned that for tax purposes. Got it. Does that make sense? Kind of. Kind of.
1: Yeah. I mean, the word tax is quite scary for Freaks some people. Out. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's good. You have to cover your, protect yourself.
0: Yeah. And my baby is snoring. <laughs> Apparently I'm boring. <laughs> I think
1: there's a drilling
0: sound. <laughs> <laughs> she heard tax and went, I'm going to sleep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's why Pixie is my spirit animal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the number two thing that I would not do as a mortgage right. broker would be cross-collateralizing my property and my loans
1: explain that to me
0: so cross-collateralization is you have an owner-occupied home or even if you have two investments like you have a one property here and one property here now you're using the equity in this one to purchase this one and you've taken out another loan but you've you've relied on that instead of apportioning two loans separately yeah now that's okay when you have one or two but when you're building out your portfolio to your third one, it becomes really messy because this third one needs to be linked to the second house It needs to be linked to your first house. Now, that's okay when you're accumulating and building your portfolio. Mm-hmm. What happens when you sell? Yeah, <laughs> What happens when you want point. Point to sell property too? It becomes a bit of a mess.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: It's not that it's impossible to release it. You can release it, but it's they have to value this house and this house and then they have to relink this one to that one. And if you wanted to refinance this house property number two to another bank and access equity, it's going to be harder because you now have to do a valuation. This one and this one yeah, it becomes a bit of a mess.
1: Unnecessarily messy.
0: Yeah, a messy mess. Mm. Not the nice one. Yeah. So, I definitely will not be cross-collateralizing my properties. The third thing I will not be doing is getting an offset account loan mm-hmm. and loan with an offset account when you have no savings. So, everybody talks it about- offset
1: purpose, yeah.
0: Everybody talks about, oh, you need an offset account, you know, it's going to reduce your interest, but I think it needs to be fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. And I've seen in my time, people have followed that advice and they just don't have savings or their accumulation- Rate is very, very, very slow, mm-hmm. so they only have like very small amount of savings, three or five thousand dollars. Yeah, they probably put everything into their first home. Yeah, and they're just trying to pay that down with a small amount of saving there. But you know, typically with a loan with an offset account, you're paying for that. Yeah. offset account make free. Either paying it for interest rate, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's a higher interest rate, or you're paying a package fee. Yeah, right, one fee. Your package fee. Yep. when you know your accumulation rate for the next two or three years is not going to be high, mm-hmm. why would you pay? high interest rate, pay fees for it. Yeah. Just go for that lower product. Go for the um, the basic product, mm-hmm. you know. It's the lowest interest rate. You're saving from day one. Yeah. Not from three years later. Yeah. Number four. So, I would not be setting my loan repayments to monthly. Just by changing it to fortnightly, you could potentially be saving five years on repayment cycle if your are
1: mm-hmm. I didn't even know you could change it to monthly. Uh, fortnightly.
0: fortnightly. You can do fortnightly or weekly, yeah.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. You, now you need to change it to fortnightly. The rationale behind that is because you're paying it more frequently. Yeah. Quicker, faster, and then you shave five years off a 30-year mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, so, it's
1: the same amount fortnightly.
0: Yeah, you're not changing your repayment. So you're, you're just changing a the bit, frequency yeah. of your repayment. Mm-hmm. And number five, here's one thing I will not be doing as a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. Staying loyal.
1: To the to, lender. To the lender. Yeah. I call oh, it yeah. lo-
0: loyalty tax. <laughs> So, if yeah. you stay with your same lender, if they don't look after you, then why you're stay? paying yeah. loyalty tax. Mm. So, why stay? Uh, make sure you always review your loan yeah. every two to three years, mm-hmm. at least bare minimum. Yeah, Reviewing your rates, products change, different lenders have different campaigns. Yeah. And you need to be reviewing and seeing what's best for you at mm-hmm. that point in time. So, there are five things that I won't be doing. Mm.
1: I did not know that about the fortnightly payment and stuff. Interesting <laughs> light bulb. So here's another good one for you. What are the red flags that banks and lenders look for?
0: What are the red flags yeah. that banks and lenders look for when you're looking at refinancing yes, or that's when right. you're looking at getting a loan? Yeah, there's quite a few. Uh, the first thing I want to say is banks or lenders are not a holes. <laughs> they want to lend to you. Yeah. yeah, but the first thing is that they're looking for stability that's what they're looking for Which is fair. if you're going to lend your money to somebody you don't know you want to make sure that they're going to be serious and make that repayment yeah yep. so that's the way that most lenders think the other thing is they're looking for customer behavior when i mean customer behavior they're going to be looking for spending patterns some banks will go to the granular level like oh my god this guy is having three coffees a day yeah he eats out every day breakfast Shopping. lunch and dinner does uber eats and then the thought behind that is if we give him a loan is that lifestyle going to continue And if that lifestyle continues how's it going to make the repayment yeah that's one thing the other thing that they're really really going to be looking out for is things like atm withdrawals at pubs and clubs you know doing a couple is no no problems like yeah. you know you go to the pub and you but have if lunch you're
1: consistently and- if
0: you are consistently taking out a hundred dollars and you're taking a hundred dollars yeah. out you know three times a day at the same pub at the same club every day that's warning signs for the lenders. Yeah? yeah. They're saying, well, why are you down there? Why are you taking $100 three times, yeah, out, how three how times you a Yeah, how pay Yeah. And it's like, well, what are you doing there? They're looking for the behaviors. The other thing is buy now, pay later. Everybody thinks of buy now, pay later as not debt. Mm. The way lenders perceive that is it's debt. Yeah. You're given it a limit. And you can spend it, but you got to pay it back. Mm-hmm. That is debt. So, they're going to be looking at that. Having one or two is no problem, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you're for like the big price. purchase
1: items. No yeah. problems.
0: But when you're accumulating after pay, you've got a zip pay, mm-hmm. you've got a, I don't know, what was step. You've got like all these different- um, Payment plans. Payment plans. Yeah. And then you want to go into home loan, mm-hmm. then the lender's going to go, well, what's going on here? Yeah. And if you've maxed out all of them as well, then it's like, well, it's what's going on? It's a big red on? flag, yeah. The other thing that lenders will be looking for is in your credit file, they'll be looking for defaults. Have you missed your payment on your energy bill, right? Or your telco bill. Not a problem if you do. If there's a right, appropriate reason, you know, they can understand. Yeah. With reason, as long as it's paid off, there's no big issues. And it does happen, especially when people are moving houses. Sometimes yeah. that telephone bill, that internet bill gets forgotten mm-hmm. or that energy bill gets forgotten because it's getting sent to that. That address. But again, they're looking for the behaviors. When you found out, what did you do? Right? Because what you did then is going to be a reflection. If you missed a payment, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Right? So they're looking for those behaviors. The other thing is they're going to look at your credit history. And there are lenders that look at credit history and there are lenders that don't. That's a in broken space. Now, when they're looking at your credit history, typically in your credit history, Uh, You have two years, two years history, 24 months that they're looking at your credit card and they can see your repayment, whether you paid on time, whether you didn't pay on time. Mm -hmm. If you missed a payment, they're going to want to know what happened. Again, it's not a problem. They just want to know what happened. And if you remediated it, there's some of the red flags that lenders look for.
1: Mm, That's good. Not as scary as I first thought. Ready for the next question?
0: Mm, Big one.
1: Yeah. Explain to me. What is negative gearing?
0: Drum rolls. <laughs> I do <die. laughs> Okay, negative gearing in a nutshell basically means you've made a loss on the investment property and you can claim back that loss or portion of that loss. Yeah. According to your tax rate against the tax you've paid on your income. Mm-hmm. When people say, oh, I got a massive tax refund, yeah, right? You only get a tax refund because you made a loss. Yeah, Most people don't realize, right? Mm-hmm. Negative gearing is you've made a loss on that investment property and they claim back that loss at your tax rate against your tax that you've already paid in that year. So you get a yeah, tax refund, it. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how do they look at that? So, typically, it's your interest. Interest expense is going to be your highest cost. Then you're going to be having management expense. So, yeah. you know, like your property manager's expense. Uh, any fixes, like if plumbing went out or if you needed to replace, yeah. you know, all those costs. Insurance costs or, and the cost to maintain and upkeep that property, that would be your cost. Yeah. And that is negative, negative gearing
1: unpacked. <laughs> That's good. You're explaining that to me in a way I can understand. Here's another negative one: mortgage trap.
0: Mortgage trap.
1: Yeah. Oh wow! Your voice goes so deep. Um, yes. I'm not a little boy. <laughs> what is it? Well, how is the interest? Yeah, when interest is calculated, right? Yeah. And then how do you reduce it?
0: Okay. So, mortgage trap, uh, what most people don't realize is when you take out a 30-year mortgage, in your principal and interest repayments, when do you start paying down the loan and when do you start paying the bank? So, in your principal and interest repayments, in the beginning, principal and interest, if you actually look at your repayment, the portion of interest in the beginning is always larger than your portion of your principal. Usually, the first 15 years, you're paying off majority interest interest Mm -hmm. interest interest interest. only a small portion of the principal and after 15 years it kind of equalizes and then you kind of start paying down the principal more dramatically it's kind of like if you look at the graph it kind of
1: yeah goes dives
0: Mm -hmm. after that 15 year inflection point so most people don't realize that and when they refinance you're just starting that cycle again right because most people will refinance and get their loan back over 30 years Mm -hmm. so you're paying to this other lender Mm-hmm. Again, all the interest up front, yeah. very little principal. So, what you end up finding is you're in this cycle mm. <laughs> and you're not actually reducing any of your principal.
1: That's right, yeah.
0: Now, there's obviously strategies why you do that and why you mm-hmm. wouldn't do that. But definitely for uh, your owner-occupied home where it's a non-deductible debt, you, yeah. you want to pay that down as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Simple things to kind of help you along the With that is like before we said changing your repayment from monthly to fortnightly Mm -hmm. will shave five years off that loan. So, that will help you. The other thing is trying to either, if you have a high rate of savings or if you have some savings, use an offset account or start putting money onto the loan so you reduce the interest calculated. Now, you want to reduce the interest calculated as soon as possible. Got it, yeah. Yeah. So, you reduce that term of that loan and you're reducing the interest paid to the bank. Mm -hmm. That is... Mortgage trap? Don't get trapped.
1: Last one. Everyone's asking this question. In New South Wales, there is a first home buyer scheme, yeah? Yes. Can you tell everyone about that?
0: Okay. So, first home buyers, there's probably uh, two schemes Mm -hmm. you can probably think about. First one is first home loan deposit scheme. First home loan deposit scheme helps you get into your first home by having less of a deposit. So, you can get into your first home with as little as 5% Deposit, genuine mm-hmm. savings to get into that property. That's good. Yeah. So, which means you can borrow 95% mm-hmm. with 5% deposit. The government will guarantee 15% of it. So, you don't need to pay mortgage insurance. So, remember when you're buying your home, banks will lend you 80% of the loan. Yeah. Anything over 80%, you have to pay mortgage insurance. So, what the government's come in and it's said, okay, well, if you come in with 5% of your deposit, we're going to guarantee the 15%. Mm-hmm. so you don't need to pay the no mortgage insurance, insurance. yeah and that's a really really good entry point mm. to help first home loan first home buyers there is only 35 spots it is a scheme so there's only 35,000 spots and you do need to reserve a spot if mm-hmm. you are actively looking to buy your first home that is available nationwide including new south wales and sydney
1: and how do you reserve the spot
0: you to have to s- apply you have up. to apply apply for a loan and through mm-hmm. the lender, we apply for the spot. Got it. Yeah. So, you've got 90 days. Get your pre-approval. 90 days, mm-hmm. find your property.
1: And does this game have a deadline when it finishes or uh, Typically, no-
0: they re-look at it at the end of financial year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, just to give you some insight on a $900,000 loan, you could potentially be saving $35,000 in lenders mortgage insurance mm-hmm. so if you're not thinking it's a big savings it's a massive savings yeah. especially if you're a first home buyer
1: it's good
0: first home buyer scheme uh this one's for stamp duty um it is for there is a capped price so it's up to eight hundred thousand dollars for existing and uh new and you don't need to buy, pay stamp duty so if you're buying your first home in new South Wales. $800,000, mm-hmm. you don't need to pay stamp duty. Between $800,000 and $1 million, it works on a sliding scale. Yeah. So, for example, if you were borrowing $900,000 mm-hmm. to match the first home loan deposit scheme, the stamp duty would be about $35,000 yep. normally. But I think you with the sliding scale, you'd probably pay half of it. I think you end up paying like $15,000. Mm. So, it's still a massive savings. If you're Buying 800000 you don't pay stamp duty at all. Mm. That's a massive savings. Stack your deal if you're a first home buyer. Stack your deal. Use your benefits. Use all of them if you can. Yeah, definitely. Get into the property market. Pay it down. Sit on it for a little bit. Let the growth ride. And if you're looking at borrowing the building a property portfolio, you probably want to leverage off that equity in a couple of years later.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good tip, kids.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was our last question. Pauline, thanks so much for joining me on this podcast.
1: Yeah, happy to be here.
0: Thank you. And if you have any other questions, feel free to comment in this video. And we'd love to get back to you either in another podcast or in the uh, comments. Thanks for watching and listening to this episode of Catching Up With Property. Please like, share and subscribe. Bye.
1: Bye.